Hey everybody, welcome to another great episode of the Rodcast. I'm here with Pastor Rod, and we're going to talk today about having a passion for cross-cultural communication. So we've been living in Japan for a while now, uh, 22 years almost. Almost. Yeah. So certainly you've had your fair share of a cross-cultural communication coming from Australia, moving to Japan. Let me just ask a little icebreaker question. What has been some of the major culture shocks, let's say, moving from Australia, coming to Japan, to very different cultures? What has been some funny things or interesting things that you've found different in the culture? <laughs> well, there's some really obvious ones, like you've got to take your shoes off at the door. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and these, we learned this early for these wonderful, kind, nice Japanese, when you made a mistake and wore your shoes into the house would say, shoes, shoes. <laughs> and very quickly you learned to take your shoes off at the door. They were not offended, but it was clear you were going to take your shoes off. Mm. Um, and uh, Japanese are very, very polite. Uh, they want a bit of space. Even though we're crushed on the trains, they want their space. And so do I, actually. Uh, <laughs> so you've got to try and, try and give space. And uh, instead of shaking hands, uh, it's more the bow, which actually is really nice. And especially during COVID, it was actually <laughs> made a lot of sense. And yeah. uh, so you just, cultural differences can be a lot of fun. You know, just this very upfront things. Oh, let me learn about that or this or, uh, and then there's um, language bloopers, which I don't know if we'll get into those. You've you've heard me do one or two in 20 oh, yes. years, right? Yes. I've heard a few. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we've had a few. Um so there's language bloopers, and but cultures are great if you love the people because, mm. yes, we make mistakes, but when we love the people, we learn that, okay, that meant something and I'm going to learn. So, you know, I am not don't want to be one of these Australians that come here and go, you know, I'm Australian and I can do this anywhere and, I'm you know, this is what I do. And no, that's not very kind. So mm. um, someone once told me, it's, this is a country of 125 million people. Someone once said to me, it's easier to change one than it is to change 125 million. In other words, Rod, you change. <laughs> yeah. You'd be the one. Um, and I think that's a great concept with cross-cultural ministry is just having an understanding, an open heart, and um, we learn and we grow. And it's the same in any culture I've been to, whether it's Islamic or Hindu or Buddhist or Catholic or Christian, just learning the basics is because you love the people and you want to have a good good relationship. And it's fun. I think this area should be a fun learning curve. Um, if it's not, I think you may not be a great cross-cultural communicator because I think it's supposed to be fun. Life's supposed to be fun and adventurous and culture is an adventure, don't you think? You've had a few. Yeah. What, are you, yeah. what about you? Yeah, you're a bit younger than me, but you've had a few. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like you said, there's certain things that you pick up being in a different culture. For example, the train etiquette. Yes. When you're on a train, there's unwritten rules, such as don't eat on the train. Right. Or you got to be quiet on the train, which I've had to learn the hard way many mm. times. Mm. Uh, for being too loud and rambunctious on the train. <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> no, surely not I. <laughs> I, yeah. Nah, me, a lot of times, has had many 
interesting uh, things transpire on the trains. So there's that aspect of it. So there's usually these kind of unwritten rules in each culture. Sometimes yeah. you can prepare before you enter a different culture, such as learning, oh, in Japan, you take your shoes off at the door. But then there's also other things that people maybe don't tell you about. And once you kind of get on the ground, then you find out, oh, this is a thing. Oh, this is a thing. So I think it's important to be flexible because <laughs> you can try to learn as much as you can beforehand, but be flexible once yeah. you hit the ground running. Yeah, and I, th I think that, um, as I said right at, the, right at the beginning, it's about loving the people. And um, when you love the people, this, this, this cultural learning can be fun and it should be fun. It's like, oh, you do that. I'm sorry. You know, it's, <laughs> I remember we went to one of those um, sushi trains. Everyone in the world should should know what a sushi train is by now. It's a little, in a restaurant, a little, um, you know, it's like a train with with bits of sushi on it and you choose the one you like. I like the one with the, yeah, it goes in a circle and they put new ones on and people take them off. Well, we had a young guy from Australia visit us and he said, uh, oh, well, let's go to the sushi train. And he could see everything on there was was raw fish or raw cod or raw whatever it was. And then he saw one was was cooked and he took it off the sushi train and and he ate it. He loved it. And then he took everyone off the sushi train. It took about six off the sushi Were you there that day? You... Yeah, yeah, I was there. I remember this. So on the train, on one track, there was about six of these one cooked fish sushis. He took them all off in front of him. He's going, this is amazing. What is this? And we said, it's eel. And his face <laughs> dropped. And he tried to put them back on the sushi train. <laughs> And we said you can't you can't put them back on. That's that'd be seen as dirty. So he went, oh, okay. And he had to pay for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he learned the lesson that day. <laughs> yeah. But he was a great guy. We all laughed, and we still do. And I think that's the thing. As long as you laugh and can laugh at yourself mm. and learn and and waste a bit of money in that case, <laughs> uh, yeah. It should be an adventure, and. Yeah. Um, you know, I married a, a woman from Argentina oh, yeah. and you married a woman from Japan who's half Colombian. We're really in cross-cultural communication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, But we chose that too and um, it's been an absolute adventure and joy. New foods, new way of saying things. Hey, same for you. I'm sure you enjoy yeah. the, the spice of culture. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, Colombian spice. I like it. <laughs> I think it's also funny to mention, like, because some people might be listening to this and thinking, well, I don't live in a different culture or I'm just kind of in my own little ecosystem and it's kind of the same all around me. But I think it is important to note that there's all kinds of different microcosms of what yeah. cross-cultural communication would look like. Because like you said, even between a man and a woman, a husband and Ooh. wife, Come on. That's some cross-cultural communication right there. <laughs> yeah. There's been there's been books. There used to be a book when I was young called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And it was a bestseller for 10 years, I think, explaining wow. different differences. <laughs> We're from That's different awesome. planets. <laughs> yeah. So there's that aspect too. And I think even people that might be thinking, oh, say Australian living in Australia, I think there's also the aspect of cross-cultural communication if we talk about between uh, a Christian and a non-Christian, automatically there's a, a cross-cultural 
communication there because we're coming from two different yeah. cultures, two mm-hmm. different backgrounds and worldviews. So I think this mm. cross-cultural communication is not just for people, say us Australians living in a different country like Japan or Americans living in Tahiti or like, I don't know, wherever it is, but it's for all of us, yeah, all of us believers as well. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to talk more about that today as well. Sure. Let's talk about that. And I agree with you. And, and, and right now around the world, there's a lot of immigration, a lot of inter, yeah. intermarriage, a lot of... Um, um, people from even from different parts of, let's say, United States, different different cities and regions, and people talk about the regions and the and laughing about the the accents and the. Um, it, it, honestly, this world is really cross cultural, and I think even with social media now, it's just you were looking at things from you know, Tahiti, like you just said, or Malaysia, or yeah. we're we're really exposed to culture more than ever before, and it's a great thing to learn. Mm-hmm. About cross-cultural communication, that's it's a great yeah. it's a great concept, yeah. And as you said, Christian and non-Christian in in sharing faith and uh, what's important, and uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, let's go, let's let's talk about cool. it. So let's hone in on that specific uh, aspect mm. of us as Christians. We have been given a mandate by God, by Jesus, right, to go into the world, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. So this is kind of the the great commission that we've been given. So what do you find is maybe some reasons or if not like maybe the major reason why people either just don't do it or they're afraid to do it or something's happened to prevent them from doing Like, What is it that prevents us Mm. from crossing lines, crossing borders in the good sense that we're here to build bridges with different cultures? I mean, as soon as you ask what is it, I, I, I'm thinking of different people I've met and and there are different reasons. You mentioned fear as one, definitely people that are not sure of themselves mm. um, or people might say, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I don't really mm. reach out. Um, that, that sort of area is real and I just think um, those people have really uh, have the opportunity to seek God who is very cross-cultural in his word, to see culture in the Bible and what did Jesus do and ask God to make us more brave. Mm. We were just sharing yesterday with our team a scripture where Jesus said in, in, in John 16, in this world you'll have trouble. Be brave. Be brave. And I think there is a call for us to, as believers, to say, Lord, there is there's troubles and there's differences. Could you help me be brave? Could you help me be strong? And I think that's one thing we could really pray into is God, when I have the opportunity, help me to communicate well, to talk to people, uh, mm. to learn to communicate, or even have the the, the courage, be, be yeah. daring enough to say something. It's a growing thing, and I think fear is one of them. I think mm. another one, so that's one. Another one would be just the status quo, just living in my bubble. Um, right. You know, here in Japan, we have uh, some wonderful, wonderful people in the American military bases and they come into our churches, which are very bilingual, very cross-cultural. And the ones that visit us say we, you know, on, on it, we, we love our, you know, our, our ship and our life and whatever, but we want to come outside the, the goldfish bowl. That's what they call it, the, the, the right. bubble. We want to experience Japan. And those are the ones that we think really love Japan, that they, 
They're the ones that will try the sushi train and the <laughs> yeah. um, that there is actually breaking out of the status quo. I think there is a, a real something to that, to to going to a, something different than ourselves and saying, even being sponsored in by a friend. Can you tell me about that? Can we? We're going to go see a, you know, a, a, whatever is a show is. Can you? Tell me about that. And that would be the same as bringing people to church, actually, like sponsoring people yeah. in and saying, you're going to experience this and this and this. It's going to be different and and helping people into um, some level of church culture. So yeah. I think that the status quo, the, the goldfish bowl concept, this is my life, and and breaking out of that is another one. That And I think there's another one that I have come across, and it it, it concerns me a little bit, in that people are not willing to, want to meet anyone new like their their life is set and this is this is it for the rest of my life i think as as believers as you said jesus said go and go and reach people love people touch people um reach out beyond yourself i think as christians there is a mandate uh to reach beyond ourselves and i was asked once by a mission group um going to a certain country and they told me that they this country is very difficult and lifestyle is difficult and reaching people's difficult, everything sounded difficult. And they said, what should we do? And I just said, just love the people. And I'm not trying to be spiritual. I just, it is the key. It is yeah. the key. It's the, it's the overcoming thing that if you're called to a country and a place and a city, then love the, love the place. Um, there's an old, old song from the sixties that probably doesn't have a, a great meaning in some ways. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young was the band and they, the, the song was called, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And it always stuck me as a, okay. as a, a person going elsewhere, although it might have some bad comment connotation, but to me, mm. it was actually a prophetic word that, you know, if you can't be with your, your grandma at Christmas, like we live in Japan and you, you can't be right. with grandma and grandpa who live in uh, Argentina if you can't be the one you love, then love the one you're with. I think that is a great concept for Christians that God sends us or we're in a different workplace, we're in a different university, we're in a different culture. Instead of always saying, I wish I could be in that, there, mm. then the, the Christian view would be, well, Lord, help me to love the one I'm with. Help me to love the ones I'm with. The, so with that mission, I said, I really feel that the number one thing is to recalibrate your language from... Right this is hard and that's hard and this is tough and this is hard. And like recalibrate that to God. We, we, we want to love these people, help us to um, love these people. And I don't know what the outcome of that was, but that's the outcome for me is mm -hmm. if you can't be in the culture you want, then love the culture you're in. It's that sort of, um, um, yeah. you know, some people say, Oh, you know, my workplace is so dark. And, and I say, why? And so oh, there's no Christians there. I say, well, you know, welcome to the world, you know, that yeah. Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. And so I think there is a, a Christian challenge to mm. be kind and nice and loving to wherever God places you. Um, yeah. I don't know if I went beyond your question there, but I think it's a really important, why don't we do it? Well, we mentioned mm. fear and my, my goldfish bowl and, and really not having the understanding. I've got to love these people that God has placed me with. And it's, it's a good challenge and God will help us to have love because, um, you know, it says the love of God has filled our hearts. The agape love of God has filled our hearts. And that means we can love people. So I guess one thing, I guess maybe in my mind, 
listening to this is if someone is saying the reason that it's difficult for them to reach out is because of fear, well, that then says to me they at least have a baseline desire to reach out. It's good. But there's something preventing them from doing it. Um, they lack, you know, the courage or the tools or the know-how uh, to be able to take that step to be courageous. But then there's that second category of people which maybe sounds apathetic, which is they don't even have the desire to reach out. It's not about fear or other circumstances around them. It's just simply there is no desire or there's no desire for the desire. <laughs> so I guess with someone with fear, that could be combated with, I guess, great teaching and someone to help them, encourage mm -hmm. them, pour yeah. into them. Obviously, reading the word of God is going to be the ultimate remedy to fear because perfect love drives out all fear. Yeah. But I guess for that category of people, like you mentioned, the fishbowl, or just, I guess, general apathy, or just not maybe a lack of awareness that this is what needs to be done. How do we remedy that? How, how can we help someone develop a desire for this yeah. in the first place? I, I love the concept that we bring teams to Japan. Um, and we've always, you know, wherever I've lived in Asia, we brought teams, brought teams to Thailand or Indonesia or the Philippines, et cetera or teams to somewhere in, in, in Australia. And the concept is I'm sponsoring them in. I'm confident. I, 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 know, I know what the culture is, and I'm, I know they're going to have a great time. So I've got, as a team leader, I've got the confidence to come on in. And I think when you've got someone like that, the, the people who are fearful uh, will remain fearful until they start seeing this is, this is actually okay. Or, this actually looks fun and I don't have to do everything. And so it's the, the, the realization, the awakening mm. that this is not just okay. This is actually fun because we've been sponsored in. So we bring lots of teams that mm. first day, a team of sort of younger people sort of shy and we bring them in and we say, let's go to Starbucks and let's get a coffee and go and order a coffee and sit down and we'll talk to some people next to us, some Japanese people next to us say, hello, and they're from America or Australia or... And, and that fear just seems to, to melt as mm. people are experiencing the wonderful nature of culture. So we're giving people a good experience of culture. And I think we could do this in almost every culture of the world where there's fear. We could right. take them to somewhere safe. I'm talking about not, not risky, not risky stuff, but safe places. And, and those preconceived ideas and can just fall, can fall, especially when they make a friend with a Japanese or an Indonesian or whatever we are, um, or an Australian who's from a different area, a different culture, and we're just having fun. You know, like in Sydney, I, I know I've been to some, you know, cultural restaurants and laughing about how great their food is and where did you make this and, oh, we got it from here. And, and the, the restaurant lights up because they, they recognise that culture has been made fun. Mm. We're not making fun of people. We're having fun with people. And I think there's an old saying, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you. But it's sort of true that if we can laugh with the people in the culture, the, the fear factor goes down and the fun factor goes up. And I'm using the word fun intentionally because mm -hmm. I believe cross-cultural communication ends up being fun. Even if yeah. I'm watching someone else do it, like some, the leader of the team doing it, I'm just watching, thinking, this is fun. 
the, the sushi train example where the guy took all the eel off and put it yeah. back. Well, that was just plain fun. And we, we, we still tease with him about that maybe 10 years later. And, yeah. and it was just funny. Um, but he loved his experience in Japan, that young man. Uh, it wasn't a negative. It was like, <laughs> whoa. Um, I've had experiences in some cultures, some Muslim cultures, where I've had to eat with my fingers and, and I had the curry running down my arm and my hand uh-huh. and, and off my elbow and the whole Muslim community is laughing at me. But I'm laughing too, like, what an idiot am I? And, and realizing that um, I didn't have to be perfect, I just had to be loving. And, and so it's, it's experience of, of good cross-cultural experience, I think, will make the fear barrier fall down, um, mm-hmm. especially for people in a team. Um, I see people church planting in Asia with just a husband and wife, and I think that's, that's a hard deal. Unless they really know culture, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you're in a team, um, we're all we're all learners, and and we've got our own culture we can lean back on a bit um, together. Fear right. just drops to the ground. I guess another thing, just picking up on that, is like you said, the fun factor, learning to laugh. But I think a key factor of that is learning to laugh at yourself, right? Like not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. Like I am the man of God that has sent to this nation, this land, you know, like not being that guy, like just having fun because yeah. being in a different culture, as you and I have both learned, we'll make mistakes. We will look foolish sometimes. Yeah. We might do things that might not be, the, you know, the greatest in other people's life. But if we are able to laugh about it, if we're able to have fun and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm the idiot. I'm the one that did something silly. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah. if we're able, like, you know, obviously not intentionally trying to be reckless or a nuisance, but just being able to laugh at yourself, I think. <laughs> we've, we've had a couple of teams from Australia at the beginning oh, okay. that were re- reckless. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember one team came, they brought a, a rugby ball and got into one of the trains where we've got to be quiet. And they were passing the ball, said, pass me the ball. And, and one old man on the train in Japanese yelled out, be quiet. <laughs> Sorry. And, and afterwards, the team leader said, did we do too much? I said, yeah, that was too much. <laughs> yeah, definitely too much. <laughs> but even that's been uh, like folklore, like, like the, the story yeah. you tell. Yeah. There is a line. <laughs> there is a line. But that team leader yeah. loves Japan to this day. He, he doesn't live in Japan. He lives in Australia. Right. To this day, will laugh with me about that episode <laughs> and wants to come back to Japan. So, again, if, 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 if you're sponsored into culture and you're given the inside running, the inside view, and this is why it's happening and it's what they're doing here, understanding, I think, fear falls. And let, let me just t- touch on what I just said there. Understanding brings compassion. It really does. And so with the, with the group that said we're going to the country where they didn't like the country and they didn't like this and that, and I said, you've just got to love the people. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, have experiences with really good people in the city and, and, and cherish the good side of that culture. They, in that city they were going to, there was danger. It was mm-hmm. danger. It was, a, I think, a dangerous city. But I'm sure there's areas that were safe and going to meet good people having good experiences with good Christian people and good food. And again, the, the fear goes down because then we, we started to understand the culture 
and I think with um, why we love Jesus so much is that he understands our culture. Mm. Um, and I guess at some point we're going to look at some stories, but yeah, when you see what Jesus does with people, it is just in- incredibly loving. And it actually says a couple of times he, he, he was compassionate. And the Greek word there, the original language, New Testament written in Greek, is his, his guts felt deep feeling. It's, it's the Greek metaphor picture for compassion is you feel it in your guts, you feel it in your stomach. We say in the pit of your stomach or a gut feeling. It's, it, Jesus had this gut feeling for you and me and our cultures. And when we see that, you realize that's love. But I think understanding reduces fear and increases fun as well. We're like we're on the inside now. We we understand. That's great. So what about the person that maybe doesn't have a desire? Um, what can be done to help them or encourage them? Can anything be done, humanly speaking, or does it have to be a touch from God? Like, yeah. Wow, it's a big question. And as, as Christian leaders, we ask that question a lot. What can reinvigorate the yeah. heart to, to touch new people? And again, I think we need to look at the causes of that. And I think one of the causes today, in today's world, is, is, is weariness. Mm. People are tired. People mm. have enough information, enough data, enough viewing, enough input that they don't have energy to reach out and touch other people. I call it weariness, a tiredness of soul. And um, me too. Me too. I get that too. Um, what do we do in that case? Well, I think we go to prayer and we say, Lord, just, would you just refresh my heart? Jesus talks about living water bubbling up within us. And Jesus was, was asked um, or told his disciples, when you go to a city and they don't receive you, wipe the dust from your feet. And in those days where Jesus walked in Israel, it's very, very fine, um, lighter dust. Gets into everything. Gets everywhere. And that's why when you, got, you went to a home, the servants washed your feet. Um, foot washing was a normal thing, everyday life. Um, you didn't wash your whole body. You just washed your feet, maybe your hands. And that wasn't religious. That was because you're dusty. And Jesus said, wipe the dust from your feet and move on. And I think... Sometimes we've had disappointments or we're just tired. Why don't people reach out? I think we just got tired. What do we do? I would say, ask Jesus, would you just wipe the dust from my feet and maybe from my heart? Would you just wipe that? Would you just refresh me and get me ready to meet new people? Um, And that could be done in a moment. You know, some people say, oh, you don't need to pray and fast for three days about that. And for me, I say, well, give me 10 seconds. Give me, give me one minute. Give me three minutes. I just, just need a bit of time and ask God to cleanse me because I'm going out again to meet people and I need to have a refreshed heart. And I, I say to our leaders, you, you know this, that when we get tired and weary, we're not ready for the next person God brings us. Um, so you could be there on Sunday feeling tired at church and miss the opportunity to meet someone amazing. So I just say to our team, just, just ask God to cleanse your heart or maybe it's not cleanse, but wash your heart from disappointments and weariness and just say, Lord, I'm just ready to reach one more, just one more. I'm, and I think that my advice to people will be just pray and say, Lord, just 
cleanse me and free me, ready to meet. There might be one more you want me to meet. So it's living in expectation of what God has for me. I think anyone can do that. I really do. And uh, I challenge our leaders to do that all the time, and they they do. And even after a, a very hard season in a, ch- in a church, I mean, our churches are in a great season right now, but there have been some hard seasons, and yeah. I've had to say to myself and our leaders, come on, let's just let God wipe the dust from our feet and get ready for another great person. And and they come. <laughs> they just come. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I like I like something that I think you've said in the past. I've heard maybe when we were overseas talking to pastors, they were asking, like, how do you get so many, you know, young Japanese people coming to church in a country where there's less than 1% Christian? Uh, it's not part of the the culture. It's not part of the zeitgeist of Japanese, Christianity, God, religion even. How are we seeing so many people come to church? And I think your answer was great. It was really simple. It's we meet a lot of people. <laughs> we meet a lot of people and some come. And so that means that there's a lot of people that don't come, which means yep. there's a lot of dust washing that has to be done on a weekly basis because there'll be many people that we would meet or our team meets and many people are very friendly to us. Mm. But... It, it is a much smaller percentage of people that end up actually coming to an event to hang out, uh, a church service. Yeah. So we meet a lot of people and some come. And I think that's that's a really great frame, really great perspective to put it in, that yeah. this is not like some magic bullet that works every time, that there's people that will say no. They will, you know, we will perceive rejection from them because... They didn't come to the thing that we asked them to come to. Maybe they're not trying to reject. They're just busy or, you know, whatever the reason is. Mm. But I think it's really important for us to understand that, yeah, people are people. We're also people. They got busy lives. We got busy lives. Yeah. Sometimes we just got to keep wiping the dust from our feet Mm. to see the next one or the next one or the next one. So I think that was a really great uh, perspective to have. And I think what you're touching on there is also um, having the right um, perspective of results, mm. um, anticipating what's going to happen. Um, I mean, we say to our team, there's going to be a lot of people that will just be too busy. They're going to say, no, I'm too busy. It's not, it's not rejection. They're too busy. And so talking through re- real anticipation, what's going to happen. And tonight we're going to go and meet some people and there might be, you know, two or three that we meet will want to come to our barbecue or but that's two or three that's amazing and so i just think we have to have the right um expectation yeah and sharing it with the team so that when we come back it's a win mm. it's, a, it's a win it's not a loss yeah um and also our team had fun at the same time so we ate together and we laughed and we we met some people and so that is a good team that will continue mm. Uh, the team that will not continue, we come back and say, oh, you know, no, only a couple interested. It was hard. That team will not continue. So mm-hmm. expectations, realistic expectations with faith, with prayer, but still being real. So I think, you know, in, in Japan where they've never heard about Jesus, for them to actually come to church and um, come back again 
you know, it might be one out of a hundred that we meet. People yeah. say, well, how do you how do you get so many? Our answer is we actually meet a lot of people, but we have the right expectation that only some will come and only few will receive Jesus, but they will have friends and they'll have friends' friends and and so it goes on and the right expectation. Let me let me also come back to an, uh, an example from Australia with small groups. A lot of people um, run small groups that did not grow. Um, and as I talk about that with people, it's obvious that they were a very much a, a small group uh, interested in themselves. Mm. I don't know how else to say it. It's just the, the group had the purpose of just us and they're saying, oh, we're not growing. And there was just no concept of engaging their neighbours or friends or having barbecues. I just think it is easy right. to talk about just having friends, increasing mm. friendships even before way before they come to church, just increasing our pool of friendships. Um, I would say to anyone, you can do that um, with the right expectation. The expectation of what I'm doing is to make friends. And out of the friends, some might be interested to hear about Jesus. So small groups in Australia, I've always seen them grow because I've always had the expectation that we're going to invite friends and neighbors over time. Mm. Um, I do get that that pushback a lot about small groups in the Western world, oh, they don't work. And then I think, well, actually they do, but they've got to be based around mm-hmm. the desire to grow and invite other people rather than yeah. uh, you know, the other is us for no more close the door groups. Right. And um, that that groups, uh, it's very hard to grow when it's our goldfish pole. It's 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 for us only mm. and it's it's for deep teaching and it's for us and well, you're, you've just spoken the future of that group. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that when we have the concept of uh, expectation and excitement that God is going to do something, then we start to invite again and it will take time, but God will give us good people. Right. I guess the biggest difference between a small group and a clique is your desire to invite new people in. Yeah, I think so. And that's some people, I've heard it many, many times. I've been a pastor for 40 years, almost 40 years, 38 years. And I've heard people say that a lot. You know, we just want our group to be just us. I heard it recently on a podcast, very, very experienced pastors talking about they don't want anyone else to join their group, four couples, and that's it. And I, I thought... I thought two things. One is that's sad that we've got such high-level leaders not not wanting to invite people. Yeah. And the second thing I thought was over my 38 years of being involved with small groups, because I always have, groups that are very much inward focused for years actually don't last either. Either someone moves away or there's a disagreement. So the whole concept of groups needs – we need to have new, new energy. <laughs> um, and we talk about a small group can actually change with just one seeker or one new Christian or one miracle. Just just one thing happening to one person renews a whole group. Um, mm. Yesterday we heard one of our young girls um, sharing the same story. It was, it was a seeker, not even a, a believer yet, a seeker coming and asking questions. And she said the whole group just lit up. It was so exciting. Mm. Uh, you've seen that too, right? Yeah, 100%. Even uh, in my own group last year, which is mostly um, Christian guys from Christian backgrounds. Uh, we had a new guy join uh, from like brand new, like from from zero, got saved, got baptized, 
Um, so that that event really helped bring a fresh breath of life into the group. Mm. So absolutely, having new people join, and it doesn't have to be that story exactly, but it could just be just the new person joining and having everyone be welcoming. It's just something good for your soul to see that happen, to see community happening in action, right? So I love in the Bible too, there's many times where Jesus also crossed cultures. He crossed borders. He crossed party lines, if you wanted to get like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. What what have you seen uh, from watching Jesus' example? Some things or some tips or tricks that we could learn from. Well, I think this far into the podcast, it's going to be hard to delve deeply, but I love reading every story of Jesus because he truly is a master of the cross-cultural, whether he's with Jewish people, women, children. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this, the story where the children just love Jesus. He, you always know a healthy person where children, you know, love to be around them. They're fun and happy and yeah. um, and the disciples say, you know, children stay away. And Jesus said, don't stop the children. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus would have been a great kids worker, a great, you know, uh, sick Person, people who are sick and dying worker. Like he he just crossed every boundary. The the woman at the well was a Samaritan woman, which we'll talk mm. about maybe sometime. And there were just so many cross-cultural issues there. And to watch what Jesus did, I just think he's a master. I want to learn from this master, from this God who loves all cultures and all people. I want to learn from the Jesus stories. And sometimes he's he's shocking. He shocks people. He, you know, spat in one guy's eyes to heal him. And I'm thinking that's really cross-cultural. <laughs> um, I just love that. I, I love the surprising Jesus. And uh, we love the the, the chosen uh, TV series because it, it portrays some of the backstory at, for the surprise. It just makes you realize he was really, really surprising. You know, he was criticized for having a meal with a tax collector who became a believer, Matthew and his friends. and um, and then he, he uh, the Nicodemus, the highest level, one of the highest level Sadducees, sorry, Pharisees came at night and said, Jesus, tell me about it. And just, just the stories of cross-cultural, different status, different mm-hmm. style, different religions. Jesus went and spent a lot of time in the non-Jewish parts, um, Tyre and Sidon and the Decapolis cities, 10 cities and the and the we just can't get into it, but the, the amount of stories of him with people outside Judaism mm. and seeing their response. Huh, the only person, people he had real trouble with, though, was the very, very religious Jewish people. Uh, they mm. crucified him on the cross, the very religious ones, not Jewish people, the very, very religious ones who got upset at him about Sabbath and a few other things. But Jesus was a master, and I think, well, that's our God, and he, and he gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is there to teach us all things, including cross-cultural communication. So I don't know if we want to finish here or you want to talk about one of those stories. I think that's a great place to finish. I'm sure we can talk more in-depth about Jesus' actual example, what he did. Like you mentioned, especially the story when he crossed culture, crossed 
actual physical land into Samaria and met the woman at the well, said, I had to come here, had to be here. Mm. And I love that, that heart that he had. So I think yeah. today, yeah, just talking about the passion, the desire to actually cross cultures, to, mm. to meet people that are different than ourselves, that think yeah. different than ourselves, that live different than ourselves. I think that's, like you said, that's probably the most important part that we see in Jesus's ministries, that he had the desire. He wasn't apathetic. He didn't stick to his own crew, his own team. He wasn't fearful. He was, he was God. He was Jesus. And he was bold in the, the things that he wanted to do in the places he wanted to go. Just maybe finish with this one scripture, Luke 10 to Jesus told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers, cross-cultural communicators into the harvest field. It's a great scripture. See the people. See what God wants you to do. Fantastic. I love it. I guess we'll end it there. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to another great episode of The Rodcast. Tune in next time for some more great content. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time.